We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This episode 130 of the pod. Plenty to get to today. Alongside Nat Rooney, I am Joe Musso. Uh, don't know how to feel about this one. We got a Bears loss to talk about. We got some good Hawks to talk about. We got a little bit of mailbag. We got some locks. Don't let us get hot. A lot don't coming do up it. here on the show. But first, we must lament over some Bears football. But even before that, Matt, how are you? Yeah, I'm, do- I'm doing all right. Uh, I w- yeah. I'm, got- I'm not going to lie. I was pretty... I was pretty hot on Sunday night. That was that was not. We were going at it on Twitter a little bit. That was that was about as angry as I've been at a Bears loss. That I don't was know like, why. I don't oh, know why? Here's, here's, I don't know either, honestly. Um, what, I, did, I think it's did be- that convincing win last week really let no, them no, back? No, no, no. Well, I mean, technically, your, no. In your headspace, no. But it let them. It, it gave them a chance, which probably is no, the worst it didn't. Thing. It, no, it gave. Have you, have you, let have me you come talk. up for it mathematically air? gave no, them a chance. No, we're not doing this to ourselves. Team on, I, again, I'm not. I'm not mathematically doing this gave them a chance. Not, have you looked at the NFC? Yes. That's have that's you looked what at what it's going to take? Have you looked at what it's going to take? It was a whole bunch wild cards. We're not. We're not going to yell here. We're not going to yell. We're going to. We're going to. We're going to save the yell. We're going to talk. It gave me a reason to get back into football season a little bit with a little bit of hope because while there were a lot of teams to jump, there were a lot of cra- there was kind of a lot of crap in front of them. That as as disappointing as the Bears have been, there's also a lot of disappointment ahead of them, and it might have been like who could be the least disappointing, and there was a chance that could have been the Bears, but boy, were we wrong? I was wrong. You probably you were wrong. I said because, I just I because just amended. I'm aware I because I'm aware of the NFC West and the NFC North. I your just, wild card, I, I'm, your wild I'm, card teams, your wild card teams are going to be division winners in the AFC from like a win loss standpoint. You know, that's it, our strong I, NFC. I, I, may, maybe what got me so mad is maybe it finally clicked on Sunday night. Is that you know if this team were to be playing good football, playing smart football, and just kind of you know losing some tough luck games to some good teams, you know, but but being there and you know all that looking like a, a good competent football team that would suck. But like I'd be able to live with that. I'd be like mm-hmm. I'd be able to to get over that. The fact that this has just turned into like this is I, I can't decide if this is more embarrassing or Tressman's last year where they're losing by forty points a game is more embarrassing because yeah. all these games are so incredibly winnable. That I mean th- that's the thing about that Tressman year. Yeah, they were terrible and losing by forty, but they're playing teams that were that much better than them and they just mm-hmm. weren't very good. This year, the team has talent. Like you see flashes yeah. of it at times. Yeah, that's long we saw it last year, there, and yeah. now they're just. The attitude isn't there. The mindset isn't there. I got Anthony Miller running the wrong route, tipping a ball that's that he should have caught, getting intercepted after pushing off and being called for offensive pass interference, and he's jawing at the corner like he just did something good. Like I just this team went There's, from so incredibly likable to so incredibly unlikable in six months. There's organizational dissent. There is no leadership at the top, and the where's Ryan Face by the way? The players have begun to descend into different pockets and they're going out there with not even with the um with the common goal of victory anymore it doesn't feel like it feels like they're going out there for individual gain and those who are not concerned with their individual gain because they just signed massive nine-figure contracts aren't barely going out there at all Khalil Mack had one statistic on Sunday night and that was game started he did not register another statistic after he stepped on the field and the clock ticked one second off. He didn't have a tackle. He didn't have a 
a pass defense. He didn't have a knockdown. Mm -hmm. He didn't have a QB rush. He didn't have a tackle for a loss. He didn't have a sack. He didn't have a forced fumble. He didn't have a single statistic outside of GS. And, and for I, a guy I, that you're, and for a guy that you're paying nine figures, I don't care if you're zero and sixteen, you get after the damn quarterback. I'm there sick is, and, or, My ahead. point is, there is Finish organizational up. dissent where guys are no longer doing their jobs because what's the point? There's no vision. There's no direction. Yeah, and I, I, it again, we we've talked about it. I'll talk about this in a little bit. I'm going to amend my head coaching rank, you know, rankings. It starts with the head coach. I mean, well, obviously, it starts with the GM, but the the dissent in the locker room. The ability to get your guys and go out and want to compete every week starts with the coaching staff. It starts with the head coach, and clearly they've quit on their coach. They've quit on their quarterback. They've quit on their coach. And the disappointing part is they lost Sunday night. Obviously, the offense didn't play well. Mitch wasn't great. They didn't lose because of Mitch Trubisky. They lost because the defense couldn't stop the run and eventually gave up field position. They lost because receivers were dropping balls when Mitch was actually making some no, pretty good. You could add Mitch to that Mitch wasn't great, Mitch was hardly the biggest problem on Sunday night. He played well no, enough, but I thought, for the football team to win. He got no, help from nobody, no. and he had a quarterback. He had a head coach who still refuses to try and establish the run. Just refuses. He's being put in a tough spot, but as an offense, you need to score more than seven points to win a football game. I agree. Like, I, I'm not we're, we're, in a, we're in a situation where you're, you're banking on defensive points, and, and that's just not – that's never going to be a winning formula. There's never I, been a team to I do anything productive I'm not banking on defensive and special teams points because Devin Hester is long gone. Okay, That doesn't happen anymore. There's been – I, there's been three kickoff. I believe there's been three kickoff and punt returns all season long. Or excuse me, three punt returns. I don't know what the number on kickoffs is all season long, but it's been drastically lower than in years past. If you cannot create points on the offensive side of the ball, you will lose week after week after week. Do I? We've had the conversation of whose fault is it? How much percentage do you put on who? It doesn't matter at this point. That's fair because they're in a situation where. It's no longer – and to go back to your initial point, Matt, of it's done now and they're mathematically eliminated and you don't have to think about that anymore. But now is the real the real time for this team. The real prove-it moment for this team and the future of this team is from now until week 16, from now until the end of the season, game 16. They need to prove each and every person on that team that one – they deserve to be here and have a position on this team next year. That two, they care enough about being a Chicago Bear to go out there and play with some pride for the rest of the year. And in Matt Nagy's case, that he deserves to be the head coach. Because if they continue to lay down and lose and fail to create points and fail to create turnovers and fail to win ball games, then there needs to be sweeping change. I'm not at that place right now. I'm at the give everyone another shot at this because, like you said, it is a talented roster point. But if you go out there and lay eight more eggs or however many more games is six more eggs, then it, it really needs to come to a blow-the-thing-up situation. But do you, like, really, do you really trust the head coach who lost the locker room in week 10 of a season like this to be back next year and be in the same situation? Like, do you really trust that? I mean, he lost the locker room. I mean, quite honestly, you could argue they lost the locker room after like week one. They have not been the same since they played since that Green Bay game. The defense hasn't because we've seen what he can do, and because I'm realistic in my expectations of the front office. I do think that Matt Nagy I'm, should he be back next year? No, because I'm a boneheaded fan who would fire everyone after week three. But is he going to be back next year? 
more likely than not right now if they go 500 the rest of the way than yes regardless of him losing the office front office it comes down or regardless of him losing excuse me <coughs> i'm sick of this shit i'm sick clearly of this it's making regardless <laughs> regardless of him losing his team and losing the locker room if he goes 500 the rest of the way he will be given enough leash to stay on for at least another year maybe a different quarterback whatever the situation boils down to next year um should he be i don't think so because of what has transpired this year i'd love to see a fresh start next year my but, problem with him is and I, i'll get to it i said i was going to amend my 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 coaching rankings in the city a little bit is his inability to is either inability or unwillingness to adapt his ego is so large that he yeah. won't he refuses to step away he from thinks the system. he knows better he mocks people who say you know we oh, i didn't come here to run the eye we should run out of the eye and then the five times he does it they're averaging about seven yards a carry he and, didn't come here to run out of the eye he came here no, to you, run to run option out of the pistol on third and one. You know, not, the o- not only option out of the pistol on third and one, but you either A, didn't know your quarterback was hurt, which is a problem because you should know everything that's going on on your sidelines, or you decided to run speed option to the, the left side, which is exposing your quarterback's injured hip on third and one to the short side. You're either a moron or you're a liar. Let's, let's dig into that. What what do you feel about that? What the do you more, feel? That what do you feel out, the truth? What do you feel the truth about the situation about the benching of Mitch Trubisky? The, the more that's starting to come out from people who uh, you know are guys who have been at Hallis Hall, and it, it does sound like Mitch does have a legitimate hip injury that might keep him from playing. I didn't I, I didn't see all of the game. I didn't see the hit that people are talking about in the second quarter. At first, I did not believe it. I thought it was Matt Nagy throwing his quarterback under the bus and trying to say, this isn't me, this isn't my fault. Um, the more I that lean, I'm starting to read there. on, I, I just it, it seems more and more like that's not the case. I Again, I don't know, and I'm not sure we'll ever, ever know for sure, but people have said Mitch is not necessarily walking all that straight around Hallis Hall. It, it does seem like he does have a legitimate injury, hip injury, which means... Matt Nagy's a moron for calling a speed option, exposing his quarterback's injured hip on a, on a crucial third and one. It, it's not hard. It, you, you, uh, and Mitch I think Trubisky, you like this tweet. You Mitch line up Trubisky. in the eye formation, hand off to the running back you traded up to get, who's as good at yards after, or yards after contact as any running back in the National Football League. Mitch Trubisky, if Mitch Trubisky is not on crutches, he is not injured. He, could, he might be hurt. He might be dinged up. He might have a hip point. Pulling a norm here? Hurt, not injured? I am because there are optics to this thing and we feel we already feel slighted as Bears fans. So if you're going to look at us and lie to us, I have a big issue with that and you get the hell out of town. Yeah, I, like, I get that's, uh, from, that's why from a organizational standpoint, from a management standpoint, from a head coaching standpoint, from a quarterback standpoint. If you want to lie to a fan base that paid their good hard earned dollars to fly across the country to watch you lay an egg in an old dirty stadium. If that's what you're going to do is start lying to those people, then I take issue with everything organizationally that's going on. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. That's also I, – I don't I, – again, at first I did think they were lying. But again, the more I've kind of read and heard what people are saying around Hallis Hall in the press, what they're talking about, it does sound like he has a leg, like he had a legitimate hip injury. But that, again – Tends to why didn't but a hip you injury he played he, a hip injury he played through for a quarter and a half and you just yes. decided to take him out. Tell me about that conversation that him and Mitch had. Even if he said, "Hey, I want to protect your hip," this and that. Why does Mitch Trubisky look like it's the end of his career? You know, why is he why is he hat in hand? Why is he head in face after being told that he looked like a quarterback who just got flat out benched? That's what Mitch Trubisky looked like. I don't he disagree. Like a guy the optics look for like his that. NFL future. Because he just got benched. 
he had enough hip to keep playing, okay? And let's be honest, Mitch Trubisky is playing for his NFL future. Whether for us or for someone else, everything he puts on tape this season will be scrutinized, will be looked at by the Bears and by possible future employers. I, I he, don't... Got, he got benched by his coach with two minutes left in a game. He got embarrassed by his head coach, and if I was Mitch Trubisky, I'd be very unhappy with Matt Nagy. Uh, it, it, that's the route you choose to go with this. I'm not going to say you're wrong. I'm not sure we're ever going to know for, for sure. And I, if that's the route he went, I, I totally agree with you. I would be livid with Matt Nagy. I still am. It's just, it's funny. We're, we're both livid with him for absolutely different reasons, and we both might be right, if that makes sense. Because I do yeah. think there is something. You, you probably said it right. There was some sort of hip injury that, he pr- clearly was able to play through because he played through it for two halves. And I, I again, I, I'm not, I, I was at the Blackhawks game working, so I didn't see everything. But from what I saw from Mitch, it didn't look like he was limping or anything too heavy out there. It looked like he was moving around fine. But his coach put him in a bad spot then multiple times. His coach put him in, ba- in, in spots where he could either get hurt more and then made him look terrible on national TV, like you said, on the road in front of you know millions and millions of people watching. We also have a kicker issue again. Um, uh, apparently, yeah, I don't know, <laughs> whatever. I know that's so far down the list of caring at this point, but yeah. again, that goes back to it is like the, the kicking thing last year, the missed field goal broke Matt Nagy's brain. He, you know, Eddie Pinero misses a 48 yard field goal is a, is a field goal. An NFL kicker should make nine out of 10 times, you know, 19 out of 20, but sometimes those are missed that it, it does happen. But then, yeah. so, so on, you have a four, uh, what's it? Fourth and nine from the 30, which would be again, a 48 yard field goal. And you go for it. And yeah. then on the next possession, you have a 47 yard field goal and you send your kicker out there, make up your mind. The like thing one is, missed field goal I, is not I good. But if he misses two, then yeah, you got to start going for it. If he misses one and then you send him back out there, then you're playing mind games with your own kicker. I totally agree with that. The thing for me is that the bears very much and very much when you get into these situations where teams are devolving and falling apart you start looking at them from segments you start looking at offense defense special team start looking at the quarterback the kicker as separate entities and they are they they all produce separately but at the same time football is a game of momentum one thing builds on to another it's the butterfly effect a made field goal turns into another defensive stop turns into seven points seven points turns into an interception turns into another field goal it's called momentum and the Bears are unable to build it because they're so segmented. A missed field goal then bleeds over into an uninterested defense, then bleeds over into an offense that can't move the ball. It's all one thing. And the Bears have issues, unfortunately, with all of those things. Sometimes when your offense isn't going and the special teams is going and the defense is going, there's enough momentum there to have the offense produce 14 points on accident from mm-hmm. week to week because nothing is happening and there's such a schism between each one of the segments there's no momentum and that's from week to week that's from quarter to quarter that's from down to down possession to possession there's zero momentum on this football team because they continue to look in them at themselves as segments with individual problems i always hated that as an athlete and that was one knock that i'd have of the coaching that we had in college was that there wasn't enough cohesion between mm. offense and defense. It always seemed adversarial. And that's where the Bears are at right now. And that's no way to move forward as a, as a I'm going to call it a program, but as, an, as, as, a, a franchise, as a franchise. As a franchise. And as a, you know, as, as a business entity, 
there needs to be cohesion, and there just isn't right now. I don't know if it goes back to maybe Vic Fangio had a better finger on the. I don't. I, this is not me blaming Chuck Pagano, by the way. I don't think this is falls on him at all. I'm saying maybe Vic Fangio had a better pulse on his locker room, on the defense side of that locker room than, than Pagano does. I'm not really sure, but I need to stop hearing how, oh, the defense is playing well. They're just being left on the field for too long. I, I know they're playing. They're they're being left on the field too long. They are playing. You know the, the time of possession. Um, has been largely again, you know, out not in the Bears' favor so far this year. But they're also uh-huh. doing early in games. They're not doing anything. They're still allowing teams to run on them. Yeah, they yeah. turn into a bend don't break defense, which is not a way to pick up momentum. That's a way to lose field position. They uh, the the Rams were without two starting offensive linemen. I think seventy nine percent of their their uh, dropbacks. Jared Goff had a clean pocket. Todd yeah. Gurley, who has an arthritic knee, who has been you know on a pitch count all season, tore them up. It, they're not taking the ball away. The effort isn't there. They're going through the motion. So stop telling me. I, I don't. It, it's an incredibly talented defense, but stop telling me they've been good. They haven't been. They're doing just enough to keep them in games, which is not reaching their full potential. Yeah, it's just it's, not. Uh, and it, it, people want to compare this to you know last year's defense, the '85 to '06. Let me tell you something about like the 06 defense, the 05 defense, the defenses we grew up with, they never had a quarterback. And they might have bitched yeah. about it internally. You never once heard them say anything about it. You never saw that leak into their play on the field. They were put in a lot of bad spots, and all they did was go out and produce. And if you look at those defenses side by side in terms of talent on the field, this defense is more talented. It's all about attitude. That defense had a bit better attitude. They had a more we're not going to get beat attitude. They're too proud. This defense, it looks like they don't have any pride, like they honestly just don't really care. And the thing about it is they are they are walking, sleepwalking, for lack of a better term, and they're sleepwalking to top 10 rankings in most Exactly, they're not still. having a season, right and they're now. still in the top 10, which, which shows Total the points, points per team. game, sacks, but, takeaways, they're all still top 10, and that lack of unity, cohesiveness, and... Pride. A common a common goal exactly it, pride something to work towards something to work for it, it's rearing its head now. Um, I, I, it's, I, it's 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 incredibly know disappointing. I, I don't know if it falls on well, you know what if it falls on coaching if it falls on lack of leadership on the def- on the field for the defense. I mean I know Danny Trevathan wasn't playing, but it's been more than a one game thing. I know he's kind of their leader, but I, I don't know who it falls on, but. You Maybe can't. the guy making a hundred million dollars. There you go. I, I'm with you. He's like, gonna, I understand he you're the doing you're something. the soft spoken. You're this quiet guy, but I had the thought this week of when do you sell on Khalil Mack? And, I, and that might be a little fatalist because he is fantastic and he's got all the talent in the world. But we are seeing an effort issue with Khalil Mack. Mm-hmm. There's it, it's plain to see he's either out there playing through an injury right now that they need to make. Public, evident public to us, so that we don't see him through this light. But right now, it looks like an effort issue. I don't know if Vic Fangio, or excuse me, I don't know if um, Chuck Pagano is dropping him into coverage more than he did last year. I did see him in coverage a number of times on Sunday night. Whatever, whatever the case is, we went through the numbers last week of how many times he's had pin your ears back, third down chances to rush the quarterback and not gotten there. What's going on? What is going on? And. Another thing for me, this stems because they're not getting a pass rush, but they had to start loading the box a little bit more because they couldn't stop the run later on. And then you have our all-pro, all you know, uh, Pro Bowl corner who just got paid getting burned twice by the Rams' number four wide receiver. One for the touchdown, one on, uh, you know, I think it was a critical yeah. third and ten that if you get a stop, you get the ball back down either three or six. And 
he's been bad all year too. He's getting beat deep. It, it's a pride thing at this point. We've seen talent with all these guys, and they're just going through the motions. So I, I, I'm, I'm over defending the defense. I'm over saying it's not their fault. It is their fault too. It is every bit as much their fault because they're doing nothing. They're not doing their part. Not they're not doing their part to generate momentum. It's same well, thing last year. They had to pull more weight, and they did. They're not doing that this year. Looking at it right now, the Bears will play the Giants on Sunday at home. Uh, that's this Sunday, followed by a game four days later with the pass-happy Detroit Lions. Doesn't seem like it matters who's playing quarterback for that team. Jeff Driscoll getting things done for them as well. So two games in a four- to five-day span here. Going to be going to really test this team's resolve and their want to. Uh, Don't really have we'll, much faith think, in that test. I think we'll learn uh, a good amount about them. And, you know, before we... Before we move on, um, the, the last thought that I'll give about this team is the fact that it just seems like, and I hate to bunch this year in because of how good last year was, but last year we get swept up in this. This is how we will remember Matt Nagy unless something changes. Matt Nagy, John Fox, and Mark Tressman have given us the most underwhelming decade of Bears football in my life. And I know there's only been a few of them, but I'm sure older people would prescribed Probably to agree, yeah. too. Because in years before that, the Lovey Smith teams with Lance Briggs and Brian Urlacher, prior to that, your Dick Jaron teams that even had Mike Brown and Brian Urlacher, those teams... Those teams are still going 7-9, 9-7, 8-8. They gave you a reason to be engaged. They gave you a reason to turn the television on. They gave you a reason to be excited and maybe buy a ticket and go to the game. This team has given none of that. Honestly, I couldn't agree with you more. Like I'm at the point where... Sunday when noon rolls around, they play the Giants. I don't think I even want to watch the game. I'll still, yeah. still have it on a TV because, shout out me, I have two TVs. Wow. Um, yeah, t- but they're going to they're, Ooh, they're relegated to TV too. Well, they're relegated to TV too. Red Zone in <laughs> TV one now. <laughs> now what? Give me the breakdown here. TV two? Are they identical TVs? Is they're, they're, TV so, two you know, a lesser viewing experience. No. Well, TV one is you know mounted kind of over the fireplace in the middle of the living room. TV two is just kind of off to the left of it. Still, both about the same size. I think I'm looking Very at it nice. now. I think one might be a sixty, one might be a fifty-five. So we're we're we're, we're neither of them Got are lacking size. Well, one of them was you know I moved in with Mike about two years ago. One of them was his. I had the TV at my old place. I wasn't getting rid of it, so mm. TV2. There you go. It's working out pretty well. We got two TVs. It's nice. TV2 and TB12. That's maybe, what I think. Maybe you think come, by, come by see it sometime when you're, uh, when you're home. Hey, sounds good. You I like see, it. You can control TV2. It's an open invite. Ooh, I don't, know if I, can, I, can, I don't know if I can handle that sort of responsibility, man. Well, we'll, we'll certainly find out. Um, are we done talking about this shit team? Can we, uh, yeah. can we move on to a little NFL whip around? Sure. That All sounds right. better. Why, why talk about the bad football when you talk about marginally better football? Let's pick things up with some marginally better football. The Steelers and Browns on Thursday night. Was um, it marginally better? It was something to talk about. Miles Garrett swinging a helmet. I mean, I, I really don't want to get into that whole conversation that feels like it's been no. had already. I think the NFL did the right thing in the case of him. Give him the season. Sit him down, let him think about it, take his money, hit him in the pockets. Um, I do not prescribe to the uh, arrest him. No, that's, now, no. now if if, if that Mason Rudolph would have that helmet's that helmet's flipped over on the other side and Mason Rudolph gets his head split open on national television and we all have to see that, then 
That's might be talking about some assault charges, but with uh, not operating in the if, operating with the set of facts and the set of actions that happened, I think the NFL got this one right. I think they gave Pouncey a little bit too much time. I, I respect the man for sticking up for his quarterback. I would have liked to see him just get a game. I would have fined um, Pouncey, that's it. I, I, after yeah. what he did, he was just defending a guy who had a helmet swung in his head, and then he didn't throw a punch. He just kind of did, you know, made a few kicks in there after throwing a guy to the ground. I, I would like to take this opportunity to send a message to the Rudolph started it crowd. Oh God! Go ahead. You're I think no, 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 yeah. I so you're, people are saying you're well, he, dumb. he tried to rip his helmet off. Well, that's because Miles Garrett was at his was wrapped around his legs five seconds after Whatever. he let go of the ball. Even if and tried even to if Miles Garrett even, even if Miles Garrett gently put him on the ground, patted him on the back, and then Rudolph went for his helmet, that does not justify the action that Miles Garrett committed. You take that action, those two actions off of a football field, one is punishable by a flag, one is punishable by handcuffs. One and one can put you in jail. I've heard I know I just argued against the, the jail argument, but if you take that in a vacuum, what Miles Garrett did and what Mason Rudolph did are on completely different levels of punishment. Now, you're someone who, uh, we played football long enough, so I think, together, so I, I think I, I'd like to know your personality on the field. You had a little bit of a fiery personality, right? You, you tend to... Yeah, never swung get, a helmet. Hey, well, that, that's what I'm getting to. I know I, I've seen <laughs> I've seen people on the NFL network, you know, analysts, all that stuff, saying like, well, you know, I don't condone what he did, but like, you know, you've never been there. You, you don't know what it's like to, you know, in the heat of battle. It's like, Wah! You're right. I've never been in the NFL heat of battle. I've been on my fair share of scuffles on a football field. I've gotten mad at people. I've had, you know, D linemen you go one on one with an entire practice and things escalate. Mm -hmm. Never once have I had the urge to rip off someone's helmet and swing it at their exposed head, no matter how mad I've been at somebody. And I can bet quite a bit of money, and I think I'd win that bet because remember, I'm hot on my locks of the week picks. Yes. I don't think you would ever gotten that urge or feeling either. No, I think the, the one that comes to mind, we were in, again, one-on-one drills with defensive backs and blocked the kid out of his shoes, pancaked him, ended up on top of him, turned into a rolling around thing on the ground, and to defuse the fight, I was bigger, I was longer, I just grabbed the kid by the face mask and dragged him around the field. Like, not dragged him around the field, but like, defused it by like, just getting space away from him and controlling his head by his face mask. And that's not good, you injure a person that yeah. way too. But... But you didn't rip off the helmet and swing it at his face. And now my point or was to go, to. to go back to this situation, Miles Garrett had an opportunity to inject life into his team and his fan base. In that moment, with the helmet in his hand on the five-yard line, Miles Garrett could have jogged away from the situation with the helmet in his hand, ran over to the dog pound, raised that helmet up or thrown that helmet into the crowd, taken his fine and made an indelible yeah. image for a rivalry in the Browns and the Steelers. Instead, Instead he, lost. he swings a helmet, loses his mind, loses his season, loses any momentum that the Browns <clears throat> created in that moment. Yes, I agree. It's hard to think clearly in those moments, but you have to have a set of rules in yourself, a set of morals in yourself that regardless of how crazy things get, self-preservation and and those set of rules kind of is the default you go to when you black out. Yeah, it's I've like, had some of those blackout moments, but you have to still have a line of removal where you just get away from the situation. And I, I know you and I have been uh, a little bit 
tough on Baker Mayfield sometimes when he's been in the media talking some of the stuff he says. I thought people were giving him crap for his post-game interview saying, you know, basically saying Miles Garrett was wrong. That was leadership. Was I loved what Baker said. That's the first time in this a while is my I've team. heard him speak to the This is my media. franchise. And he That's not going to happen. absolutely on the head. And he said, you know, we love Miles. He's a great player. He should not have done that. That was wrong. There's nothing wrong with saying that. that. There's and no you know, excusing that action. That's if, why if I say anyone in the locker room had a problem. Crowd, if anyone in the locker room had a problem with Baker Mayfield saying that, then they, I mean, they're the ones with the problem. I guarantee you, Miles Garrett doesn't have a problem with it. He came out the next day and he deserves his suspension, but rightfully said, like, guys, he I was way it, wrong. Yeah. Uh, that was me. Uh, that's unacceptable. I can't do that ever again. No one can do that. He, he completely wore it. So I. Uh, thoughts and prayers to Freddie Kitchen. We've spent too much time on this game in our NFL whip route, so we're moving out of the Cowboys and the Lions. A high-scoring affair. The Cowboys edge out the Lions 35-37. to Dak and Zeke looking like they're ready for their typical uh, postseason run, losing the first round. Yeah, they're, they look, they're looking like the team that's literally capable of beating anybody and yep. losing to anybody on a given week. And they, like this week was the perfect example. They started out slow. The Lions went up, what, like... Uh, 14-7, something. They, they went up as a couple scores early. They're like, oh, they're going to lose. And then tail the two halves, they came back and won. So I, no one can figure out the Cowboys. They're capable of winning the Super Bowl and missing the playoffs all in the same season. It's, yeah, it's wild. Jaguars and Colts. The Colts get right 33-13. to A Quentin Nelson touchdown called back. Or not called back, but overruled. overruled. He didn't break the plane, but we had a keg stand celebration. It was the highlight of the weekend that never was. Uh, disappointed in that. Future Bears quarterback Nick Foles, though, looked all right. 33-47, okay. 300 yards, two touchdowns. I don't think he turned the ball over. So, or did he turn the ball? I don't know. I'm just looking at the quicks. The quick. He played fine. So let's, let's keep him up, right? <laughs> let's keep him healthy, and let's get him over here. Hey, you just got to keep it on the rails here in Chicago, Nick. But uh, that's a bigger task, I guess, than uh, we were led to believe. Bills and Dolphins. The Bills finally break that winning streak of the Miami Dolphins, 37-20. to Another team that's playoff bound in the Buffalo Bills, more likely than not in the weak AFC, but I think we we know their fate already. The Dolphins, on the other hand, they've already cost themselves the first overall pick. I don't see Cincinnati winning a football game this no. year. But you're also in the situation of, is Tua a cut and dry first overall pick, which in my belief he's not. We'll get to that later on in the show, but not the worst thing to have two wins I guess right now yeah um, on the other end I, I was more thinking the Dolphins here from the gambling aspect if you would have told me that they'd score 20 points I, I would say that against <laughs> the Bills like this season them, against, the Bill, against the Bills offense if they scored 20 points at home that they would easily cover the six and a half well spoiler they didn't so that's my story uh, what do we got the Broncos and Vikings uh, this was a good one the Broncos went up 20 to nothing in the first half you got a Kirk- feel for Vic on this one Kirk Cousins silencing the haters of which there are many uh, 27 to 23 big second half hey Kirk Cousins here's an idea maybe target Stefan Diggs in the first half and you won't be down 20 yeah uh, Stefan Diggs five receptions 121 yards and a touchdown all in the second half my biggest takeaway from this game again this is one I was just kind of watching on red zone so I watched a little bit early then had to go into work and I kind of caught the end of it mm-hmm. uh, I saw the Vikings coming back but you know Brandon Allen the Broncos had a chance at the end to win and they got with like inside the 10 with like 40 seconds left and no timeouts and they did or maybe it was one timeout whatever they let like 20 seconds tick off the clock before spiking it and essentially cost themselves probably two or three extra plays two or three extra cracks at the end zone it was wild terrible Uh, clock management saints and bucks 34 to 17 the saints go on the road and get a win outdoors it's always good for them eight and two on the season now silently going along 
looking like maybe still the most complete team. Alvin Kamara, a little bit better, 75 yards on the ground, caught a couple passes as well. Uh, Jameis just had, had the picks again, and it seemed like a situation where a couple were his fault, a couple went off hands. The one off O.J. Howard's back was off his back. Wild. There was another one that Mike Evans kicked up into the air that should have been picked off, so just a very bizarre game there. Yeah, I mean, there's really just kind of not much point in talking about the Bucks anymore because they've become irrelevant. Um, the Saints, like you said, though, seem like a little bit of a get-right game for them on the road in the division after losing to the Falcons, and you kind of touched on Kamara looking a little bit better. I think they're just really going to play it safe, kind of ease him back in, not ask him to do too much uh, because really all that matters to them at this point, they, they have the division wrapped up. They're probably going to have a first-round bye wrapped up. Uh, they just need to get him healthy. Uh, we got Jets and Redskins. Jets win 34-17. to Sam Darnold, the up and the down of that career um, and that offense is a big head-scratcher for me. Uh, I read that this week, Darnold went into Gase's uh, office and said, hey, coach, I'm not comfortable with this stuff that we're doing. I just don't like it. And instead of uh, it, it, there was a moment of growth is what I read, is that Adam Gase said, beautiful. What took you this long to say that to me? Wait, so, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're telling me a coach and a quarterback had a conversation, had a yeah. conversation <clears throat> about what they do well and what they don't well do well. Yep. And then the coach, now hear me out here, this might be wild, adapted to what his quarterback does well. Unbelievable. And then it nuanced worked. Nuanced I know they played stuff. a bad team, but then it worked. Egos wow. aside, 19 wow. of 30, 293 yards, four touchdowns. Situation that we could compare that to. To be fair, it was against the one and nine Redskins. Falcons cool. and Panthers, 29 to three. The Falcons. I don't know what's going on. I don't know who's sold. What's going on is they're like getting sold. themselves outside of a top five pick, which is <laughs> be exactly great for the franchise. Uh, maintaining which McCall's job just for another Dan year. Quinn. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this was a, this was one that it seemed like the Falcons were dead set on taking away Christian McCaffrey and making Kyle Allen beat them, and Kyle Allen couldn't beat them. So that's kind of that. Team looks Texans, the Falcons look a little bit rejuvenated too with Matt Ryan back in there. Texans and Ravens in what was billed to be one of the better games of the season flopped right on its face like the game of Deshaun Watson, forty-one to seven, the final. Uh, Lamar Jackson's MVP candidacy taking another step in the right direction. 17 of 24, 222 yards, four touchdowns. You could go through all of the statistics. His total yardage is that of nothing like we've seen before. Mm -hmm. um, it is dual threat. It is get down when you need to. It's get out of bounds. That game, I saw him take more hits than any game this season. It's something that he's been very good at this season, and I think he'll continue to grow at and find those moments to become more Russell Wilson and less RG3, and I think he is already on the right side of that conversation. Yeah, I, I'm with you. He's doing a much better job than RG3 did that year. Rookie. And honestly, probably helps having RG3 as his backup. Because RG3 and that's such a lazy comparison like. at this point, no, but it, that's but just the, it's, it's the not, game I mean, that I was trying to No, you're perform. talking about quarterbacks who, I mean, you, you pulled out three quarterbacks who you know specialize in running that read option, who run the ball a lot and run it very, very effectively, one of which has found a way to limit the hits he takes, one of which didn't in one year, and we saw his body break down very quickly. So I, I think it's a very fair comparison. Um, Deshaun Watson to steal a, steal a phrase from Coach Hogan, Joe. Well, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde this year. Uh, really, mm -hmm. throughout that career, one week he looks like an MVP. One week he looks like a guy, who, just a guy, against the defense who in the Ravens is good. It's not a great defense. Um, and again, Baltimore, an example of, you know, a head coach putting an ego aside and, you know, changing an offense to do what his, his quarterback does well instead of doing just whatever he wants.
So. 49ers and Cardinals, a divisional matchup that both of these matchups this season have been close ones. This one, uh, no exception to that rule. 36-26, to 26, even though a touchdown was scored on a whoop-de-doop, fumble it, uh, cost you some money type situation on the last play of the game. Uh, the Cardinals trying to do a little hook and ladder or something. So it was really a field goal ball game. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, 34 of 45, 424 yards, four touchdowns, no interception, or one interception, mm-hmm. excuse me. He becomes just the third 49ers quarterback to throw for 400 plus and four touchdowns. Those other two names, Montana and Young, uh, some rare air to be in. And another statistic I saw on Jimmy G, you know I'm always going to be a Jimmy G apologist. Mm-hmm. His first, last Sunday was his 20th start. Through his 20th start, he has less interceptions than these players did through their first 20 starts. Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, Hmm. Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, that list goes on, but those are the marquee names that he has less interceptions than in his first 20 games. I think that, I don't know if it's the social media era, but we have looked through him through a much harsher lens than maybe some other young quarterbacks, or we don't feel, we feel he has more experience because of the years he spent in New England and those couple starts he got, but he is still a young quarterback. I think he's coming into his own. Um, Mike McGlinchey said it after the game. He goes, we feel a trust in Jimmy because he enters the huddle with a presence. You can look in his eyes and understand that regardless of the bullets that are flying, he is calm and he's going to execute whatever play he's calling. So uh, there's a lot of belief in San Francisco right now at 9-1. and one. That's really so much more than half the battle in a locker room on the field is belief in yourselves and belief in your quarterback, belief in your leaders. Um, on the other side of it, I know, again, didn't win the game. I'm starting to think both of us were a little bit more and more wrong on Kyler Murray. He had another totally. nice game. He was efficient. He didn't do anything spectacular, but he, you know, threw for was 22 or 33 or 24 or 33, I think, threw for yeah. a couple touchdowns, 150 yards, and also ran for, I think, close to 70. So he had himself a nice day. And again, if he keeps doing this and keeps growing, I think him and Cliff Kingsbury might have something going there in Arizona. Um, the, the interesting thing about Kyler Murray is that I will I will be the first to stand up and say I was wrong. I'm not there yet because my you my, don't have to be there yet. My well my my baseline was he will never lead a team to six or more wins in a or more than six wins in a given season. He will never have a seven win season was the bar I set for him over a career. Obviously we won't know that until mm-hmm. his career's over. That's just how I felt about him as a prospect. There's a ton of good in Kyler Murray that I will admit I did not see and that I was wrong about, but there is a lot of bad that he still needs to weed out totally this off season. Totally we agree. will learn a lot about him next year, and I know it's the get some tape on him conversation. We'll learn a lot about him next year early on when teams have tape and to see if he's weeded out that back foot, my arm stronger throw that he likes to do or the roll out and not throw it away throw that we've seen a few times, try and sneak one in there. Like just the decision making is still where he needs to mature. And I think he will. I've just been very impressed by his poise and his effectiveness as a quarterback, an undersized quarterback. Yeah, uh, I think you, you hit that on the head. Bengals and Raiders don't look now. The Raiders are six and four vying for not only a wild card spot, but the division a divisional spot with the Chiefs looking more human than ever. Uh, this was a underwhelming performance by the Raiders. Did watch this one. We had it on our show, obviously. Uh, Josh Jacobs, 23 carries, 112 yards, just setting a bunch of uh, rookie records for the Raiders. Uh, Tyrell Williams had a nice game. Derek Carr admittedly wants to be better, but did enough to get it done. 25 of 29 for 292. You know, if 25 of 29 for 292 and a touchdown is wanting to get better, 
I'd love to have that quarterback on my team. They had a couple. Uh, they had a couple empty trips to the red zone. Yeah, is that, which he is was, uh, very unhappy with, and a very Tom Brady like uh, expectation of himself. Uh, this is another one. I didn't get to see a ton of this one, but it seems like a game that the Raiders kind of slept walk through a little bit. Like you said, came up short in the red zone, which in a game against the team, a, a bad team like the Bengals, a young team like the Raiders, might tend to overlook them a little bit. But uh, all that matters, they came out with a win. If they win at the Jets next week, which is always tough going, you know, from West Coast to East Coast and playing that one o'clock time slot. They're mm-hmm. going into a showdown with the Chiefs at, you know, two, seven, and four teams for first place in the division. Yeah. Which, no uh, matter speak- what happens in that one, you got to think is, is a win this year for John Gruden overall. Oh, absolutely. I was, I was out in front of it. I think I was two weeks early on it. My calls for John Gruden as coach of the year. We can, we can confirm that here on the Moose and Runes podcast. Can confirm. It has, is ha- it has made its way into the lexicon of many of the talk shows. Um, mm-hmm. It has become a topic. So just like to say, I was a little early on that one. Patriots and Eagles, Proud of you. 17 to 10. Patriots move to 9 and 1. Tom Brady talking like it was a loss. He wants more out of his offense, understandably so. But the defense stands up in the second half, allowing no points to a stagnant Carson Wentz led offense. Tom Brady, 26 of 47. Not great. 216 yards, but uh, enough to get it done. Yeah, um, it was a, a fun back and forth game to watch. And I, I know the Eagles went up early. It just it never really felt like a game that the Patriots were going to lose, and they ended up figuring out a way to get it done. I think Edelman threw the one touchdown pass they had. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, that was a fun game to watch, and it, the Eagles are a, a team that, you, with Carson Wentz, you just really can't figure them out. I know the Patriots' defense is good, but Wentz was missing some throws. They have some really talented receivers who have trouble holding on to the football. They're just, if I were an Eagles fan, that, that's that's a very frustrating team to be a fan of with, with the potential they're capable of and, and kind of how they're performing. No doubt, uh, but we have enough frustration for one thing. Yeah, I can't, I can't get frustrated because I, I have Bears and Rams don't want to talk about it. Chiefs and Chargers, 24-17. to 17, A fun watch in Estadio Azteca, which I must point out was the most well-lit stadium I saw, in my life. I saw your tweet about that, and I was going to tweet back at it, but I wanted to save it for the pod, so credit me for it that. It was so well-lit. I, well I was watching the, the I was watching the final drive last night, and I was watching you know Philip Rivers take the field, whatever, and I was like, I was doing it in my head. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe they don't have daylight savings time, and it's like maybe it's three hours, and it's seven o'clock. But even at seven replace, o'clock, it should still be. Did dark. someone replace Stadium One? Or did they not play stadium, this? Did someone replace uh, TV One in your living room, like we, with a four K brand new? Song? Are we are we on tape delay here? Like, did they play this in the afternoon and just kept it a great secret? And now we're finding out what happens. I don't know, but it looked like a day game. Well, when they showed a couple of those aerial shots literally the crown of the stadium where it's open it's an open air stadium but yeah. there is like a little overhang the crown of the stadium is completely lined in lights facing downward at the field they've just figured out lighting at yeah. Estadio Azteca it was, it was beautiful I think I that's our breakdown of the game we talked I lighting. looked up I'm looking up at the TV right now as they're getting into the highlight it's still amazing yeah still unbelievable that is my um, takeaway from that game to be totally honest with you and that the Chiefs aren't fantastic and that life imitates art and Philip Rivers is going to end the game on an interception more times than not. Philip Rivers with the ball, final drive, chance to win. It's like it's like a broken record at this point. Uh, that's our breakdown of this week in the NFL. One week closer to playoff time in both your fantasy leagues and in the actual NFL. Matt, I hope you're alive and well in whatever leagues. Do you even play fantasy? You don't. Yeah, talk I'm about in. It. Oh, I'm in two of. I'm of the belief. I, I don't need to talk about it. 
Like it's, yeah, it's, no, I, I play it. It's I'm my team. It's not your team. You don't care about my fantasy team. And like, quite honestly, like you can give me your problems with it, and I, I'll, I'll acknowledge it. <laughs> deep down, I don't really care about your fantasy team. It's more like just going to a, a therapist who's just not going to listen to you. Yeah, like quite honestly, I just, honest, I just quite need, honestly, I need like, to hear myself say it sometimes. Yeah, and and that's okay. <clears throat> that's what I'm. You know, that's what I'm here for. That's half the reason we have a podcast is so we can just vent <laughs> out some frustration and feel better about ourselves. Luckily, we have people that sometimes like to listen, so that's kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. But when it comes to fantasy football, yeah, like because when I listen to podcasts and I hear other people talking about you know what they did in their fantasy league or that tough loss, like I, I just don't care. Like that's great. I'm, I'm sorry you feel that way, or I'm, I'm glad you got that win. But deep down, like my life is no different because of it. Breaking news on the podcast has nothing to do with what we're just talking about. The Blazers have activated Carmelo Anthony, who's expected to play Tuesday night against the Pelicans, wearing double wear zero, double. Zero MVP agent double zero MVP couldn't care less double uh, seven because he's Carmel he used to wear number seven now he's wearing there you go double zero double oh seven nailed yeah. it nailed Anthony. it Carmelo, talk to somebody Anthony. talk to somebody get that um, get me money for that t-shirts there you go yeah uh, Matt why don't that's we, the second uh, Moose and t-shirt why don't we switch gears here in what was the most successful week of Hawks hockey in we're back. two years we're back I've bought in it's are we back. We're back. Give me Matt's hockey minute. You got a minute on the clock starting in two, one, now. Well, essentially what happened, I'm not going to pretend like I can get into the extreme X's and O's of it because I can't. I can kind of tell what I'm seeing on the ice, but I'm not, since I didn't play, it's kind of hard mm-hmm. for me to vocalize what you're seeing that's going fully on. But basically, in layman's terms, the, the Hawks were playing what's it's widely known as a jump and, dump and chase style of hockey, which is throw the puck in, go try and retrieve go it, set up, set up your, yeah. The Hawks aren't built to do that. And Jeremy Colleton's coaching style might be because he used to coach in Europe where you know, your players aren't as talented as NHL players. Then he coached in Rockford, which is you know career minor leaguers, which is, again, you're not playing with extremely skilled players. Came to a team that has extremely skilled players. And you know what he did when this system wasn't working, when the players weren't buying into it? He adapted, Joe. He mm-hmm. adapted to an mm-hmm. offensive scheme that fit his team. And you know what happened when he adapted and put his ego aside? Not only did he probably save his job, he got this team back into a playoff race. They're currently a point out of the final playoff spot. I think with two games in hand, not that, I mean, there's still so much hockey to play, but they literally went from the basement of the Western Conference to a point out of the playoffs. And it's hats off to Jeremy Colleton and honestly, Patrick Kane's point streak because he's back too. He scored, I think, five games in a row. Gator's been back. Like, uh, no, but he, he, so he started out fine. He did have a, when they were in this, by the way, the minutes over this, you, you started talking, so I'm off the clock. Oh, yeah, yeah. You were a little long too. Was, I was, I noticed I went about five seconds about, long. I, uh, I had you at 12 long. Okay, I had you at 12 long. I, it was more closer to seven. But um, Pat, Patrick Kane, was he's not built to play a dump-and-chase style of hockey. Neither was the line that he was currently skating on. They, they switched things up. They let him basically let him skate that puck that, into that's, the zone. That's kind of what they're doing, especially when he's playing with Alex Dabrinkit and Dylan Strome, like that line especially. But their, their lines one through four, the, the offense, the way they're constructed, is built – to basically gain the zone with speed, possess the puck, gain the zone with speed, and get creative with it, and that's what they're starting to do. And don't, I'm not going to lie, their, their defense has been better, but part of the reason they're winning is because they have two world-class goaltenders who are playing at a world-class level right now. Uh, the the goalie tandem of, of Leonard and Crawford is working out every bit as good as Stan Bowman could have hoped, um, and, and that's helped them in, in some of these road games where you know the other team comes out hot and then they kind of weather the storm early and take over, but everything's clicking right now. Now that they're fully kind of healthy, they've gotten Connor Murphy back. They went into Nashville who embarrassed them uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and they kind of embarrassed them right back. 7-1, um, was it? Final? Yeah, 7-1. Like <laughs> and I think they, they got shut out 3 nothing. Pecorine said it was the easiest shutout he's ever had in his career. <laughs> and then 
Pecorine was pulled midway through the second period of the the, the last time those two met. Um, but, but they look like a different team that has a little bit of confidence with them, has a little bit of swagger, and quite honestly believes in the system they're playing now, when very clearly they did not believe in the system they were playing in earlier. And again, you, you want to rip Jeremy Colleton for having that system early on. I certainly did. But you have to be now in line to praise him for having the open-mindedness the putting his ego aside to adapt to it and listen to his players, listen to his front office and not go down with his own ship to, you know, adapt, put the ego aside and it's working. Sustainable or no? Um, it's sustainable to the point that it can get them to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still think they're a piece or two away from really being a true Stanley cup contending team. But again, there's no team, especially in the West this year, that's really standing out as like head over heels better than everybody else. So, so the Western Conference is kind of going to be, right now, a little bit of a crapshoot once you get to the playoffs. And you, you never know when, when you get to the NHL playoffs, if you get a hot goaltender, you get a little bit hot, Patrick Kane gets on a heater, you never really know. I don't think this is a Stanley Cup winning team, but I think it's a playoff team, and I think it's a team that can, as long as they're playing in this system, as long as they're getting the goaltending they're getting, might be able to make a little bit of noise, but a Stanley Cup might be a tall order at this point. A lot of unpredictability, but you know what is predictable, Matt? Patrick Kane being good. Our picks. Let's get into our locks of the week. You can predict cash windfalls uh, as you jump on the heater train that is Matt and Joe at this point. Five and six on the season, sniffing 500. Don't let us get back. Or me get back. Don't let you get there. I was 0 and 4. At one, one point. four, one and five. Yeah, you had a tough. You had a tough uh, we are now five and two, or mm-hmm. five. Yeah, five and two over the last seven. I think so. so. Uh, we're we're, we're doing all right. good. Been batting a lot of bears unders. Uh, it's safe. Works. Almost went that direction again this week. I do love that as a little bonus pick. But my lock of the week is going to be Seattle covering one and a half at Philly, coming off of a bye, getting everyone back healthy. Hmm. Russ and the boys going into Philly, covering one and a half, winning that outright. Sprinkle the money line. I like that a lot because of the buy. I'm honestly at the point where I'm not even going to bet the one and a half. If I bet that game, it will be the Seahawks money line if it doesn't move to you know swing in their favor. Um, I, I like that pick again. I'm going to, uh, stick with our formula of picking good teams, the the teams we know are good that are playing well. We know the Baltimore Ravens are a very good football team. Uh, we we also know the Los Angeles Rams aren't that great of a football team. They might've beat the Bears, but they they weren't. They're also banged up. They're not very good. Their offensive line isn't good. I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens in the Los Angeles Coliseum, just laying down three points, uh, at the Rams on Monday night. Uh, so we're both taking the primetime matchups, right? No, no, is Seahawks, Eagles, Sunday? No, it's not Sunday. Night, I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's right. No. Um, but I, I like the Ravens. I like Lamar Jackson. And if, if I'm going to lose a game, that, that's one I'm okay with losing if I'm going to bet on, on Lamar being Lamar and them beating a bad Rams team by three points. Depleted uh, now, as well. Before we get into a little buy or sell here, I hear we have a mailbag. Oh, yeah. Um, well, speak, before we get in the mailbag, I'd like to wish uh-huh. someone a very happy birthday. Uh, oh, okay. Turning 31 years old today, November 19th, Patrick Kane. Air him out. Patrick Kane. Air him out. Also my brother, Mike. I should probably say yeah, that one, that's too. what I was thinking of. Yeah, well, I, I, wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to say Kane first just to give him a little jab. He's, he's always had a little bit of resentment towards Patrick Kane because they're the they were born, age, on, born the on the day. same day. Wow. Um, but it, w- this is actually the true test to see if Mike listens to the podcast. Um, so wait, like – He says he so, does, but when you this say, is a true w- test. When you say Mike has resentment, resentment towards Kane, like – Mike wanted to be the only person ever born on that day. No, like you, on you, November nineteenth of you've seen Space Jam, right? This yeah. is be a fun example. You know, at the he end when they're watching powers, the Bulls, you know, at the end when they're when they're when they're at the Bulls game, Bull, uh, Bill Murray and Larry Bird 
uh-huh. know, Bill Murray's a little bit down, and Larry's like, you know, what's wrong? Bill's like, could have been me out there. Yeah. I could have been me. That's that's kind of Mike with Kane, especially because they're the same age. He sees that could have been me. if that lightning would have struck, or if that falling star would have hit yeah. different. Uh, could have been yeah. me. That talent was that talent was for sale on uh, November sixteenth of whatever. Ni- yeah, nineteenth. I don't even know the, the day. 19th. God, I'm that's sure okay. someone talented was born on the sixteenth too. Probably, um, but yeah. See, uh, <laughs> well, that's that's your test, Mike. Let's see if you listen to the podcast. Happy thirty first birthday from both of us. Here's your mailbag and question. Mike sent us a mailbag. Oh, he did. Uh, he wants to know over on. I might be able to answer the, this a little bit better than you have because your Blackhawks hockey has been limited. Mm-hmm. Or, no, that's a buy or sell. Which one? No, no this is the Astros over under. Yeah. Oh yeah, over under. Uh, 49 and a half points on the season for Kirby Doc, the, the Blackhawks number three overall pick, the guy that uh, some fans weren't totally happy with. Uh, he's on a little bit of a roll. He's got a four point four game point streak going, I think six goals, two assists in the, in the last four games. So Joe, but before I answer, I'll, I'll give you a quick, just a little over. You want me, you want to watch me? You want I would to love to hear any, what you I, have you to say about Kirby Doc. Spin an answer. I would love something I, that I know nothing about. Yes, I'd love it. Matt, sometimes uh, in rookie seasons or in young guys' careers, you see these sort of pushes. You see these sort of streaks, but they're just that. There is going to be a regression to the mean at some point. When you're talking about 50-point scorers or 49.5-plus point scorers, that's not rarefied error, but that is a level of competence, a level of production that is rare for a guy his age. I think we do see a regression to the mean at some point. I'm going to take the under. That was very good. (laughs) <laughs> um, that was that was very good without really having watched much Blackhawks hockey and especially him because he's not playing a ton of minutes. That was good. Yeah. Um, I, I think I'm going to go under two, but slightly. I, I think he's off to a good start. Obviously, he's not going to ride a point streak the rest of the year. He's skating fourth line minutes right now. Um, and he's taking advantage of them. He's playing with, you know, Jeremy Colleton's explanation was he's playing with two wingers that are, while they might not be the most skilled players, two pros pros they're very defensively responsible they're not inept in the offensive end and basically to take the load off Kirby Doc at center and kind of let him be a little bit more you know free in what he wants to do I think he's got a real shot at 20 goals um, but I think the assists are where he might fall back a little bit his goal scoring is off to a great start this year I think that's the better bar for me to see if he can hit the 20 goal mark but I, I think for an 18 year old he's absolutely trending in the right direction he's looking like Stan Bowman made a very very trending. good pick at number three um, that was something. That was a radio drop. I was a nor. I was like, I was like, wow, wow, wow. I was doing okay. a drop for you. I'm going to sell over <laughs> 49 and a half, but I'm going, I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy the over. This is a bonus that I'm including Buy the over okay. 19 and a half on the goals. Love it. Right. We're going to have a 20, an 18 year old, 20 goal scorer in his rookie year. Mark it down. Dan, Dan Dockage going to score 30 goals this year is what Matt's saying. I don't get it. Why are we talking about Dan Dockage? Because it's Kirby Dodge. I didn't know that who was he was terrible. really. That so, was terrible. Uh, that was really terrible. All right, bad. let's get into some let's get into some by yourself. There's always there's always next pod. Yeah. You know? it, sure. I hope you think so. Lead us off. Uh, we're going to go to it was the big story in baseball this last week. Um, the Houston Astros, that whole videotaping scandal, which while there might not be hard, hard evidence that proves it yet, seems like it's pretty damning. So I just kinda wanna ask you buy or sell that they did it i think that they did you know we're stealing signs through using you know video recordings all that stuff i think i know your answer it's really just an excuse to kind of talk about it a little bit um i i I buy the fact that they did it and i buy the fact that it was wrong i just don't know what the proper punishment is i don't think you vacate a championship you can't vacate a championship in the pros i I, I think you you come at the 
I think you come at their pockets, and I think you come at their draft picks. I think you come at the farm system. I, I, it just can't be too damning because so much of baseball, we talk about a gray area, and stealing signs and getting an edge is that gray area. You step out of that gray area when you start employing technology yeah. and stealing signs. We had we had if a guy, it was, named, you know, guys a guy named Pat Heslin. Pat Heslin used to stand at the end of the bench and just stare at the other team's coaches to try and game their system a little bit. I have no problem There's with that. There's nothing wrong you know, with that. That's fair That's game. part of the game. You're using signals to try and call a game. I have every right to try and take those signals. Yeah. But when we start recording things, when we start putting cameras on guys, when there start uh, when we start having other forms of technology become a part of this. I just, that's where you lose me. So it it does need to be acknowledged that they did this. The league does need to punish them somehow, but it can't be as damning as some, I think would hope. Yeah. I, I, you're not going to have a championship vacated, but I think, like you said, it's going to hit the pockets. It's going to hit the draft picks. I think they're going to lose draft picks, probably some international signing bonus money. Uh, or international signing pool money, whatever that is. I I forget what that total is, but they'll lose some there and probably, seriously inhibit them from signing any international free agents uh, over the next couple of years. And I don't know if, if, if there's a way to do this, if in the bargaining agreement would allow it, but if you could somehow make their luxury tax lower than the rest of the league, I'm not sure that's possible if that's doable, but if that's doable, I don't think that would be um, unfair to do. But again, I don't think that's something that they can get down to, but I think you're right. It's draft picks, it's international signing money, it's fines. Uh, but I don't think you're going to ever get hard, hard proof because at this point, while the evidence is damning, you need someone to pretty much say it. It's very no spygate. It. it has yes. a very spygate feel. That's that's a good way to put it. Uh, Matt, we're moving on here to back to football. A buy or sell. Uh, Antonio Brown still out of the league, obviously, still posting on social media regularly, very erratically, um, furthering our worries about his mental health at this point but there was finally a coherent thought and even a little bit of i don't know if he has the capacity for remorse but a bit of remorse um he posted on his social medias this morning with a picture of him hugging tom brady in the end zone after his touchdown in miami mr Kraft, i apologize sincerely to you and your organization exclamation point all i wanted to be was an asset to the organization semicolon sorry for the bad media and the drama exclamation point thank you sincerely ab seems out of place seems poorly timed like it should have happened a while ago matt buy or sell ab's apology first off can i buy or sell your reading of that apology yeah i wanted i would love to buy i thought it was i wanted to get the punctuation you hit all you got all the punctuation you really got the tone across I, i i thought i i felt that that was very good um I'll probably buy AB's apology because I think it finally seems like he might get it. But at the same time, I don't buy that it's going to get him anywhere this year or back mm-hmm. with the Patriots ever. Um, I don't see them welcoming him back. I don't see him playing football again this year. It's it's not going to really do anything for him. But yeah, maybe he finally realizes that he wasn't exactly the, the winner or the, the good guy in that story. I'll buy that. I sell it. I sell it 100% because that's also fair. Uh, it's it very well just so happened. It just well, it just no. He he. I'm saying I'm selling the fact that he probably feels sorry, and I, I think he stopped short of remorseful. I don't think he has, like I said, the capacity for that or the understanding of what he did or or what he may have done or is alleged to have done. Um, the people's lives he affected, both in football and outside of football. I don't think that that 
weighs on him or that he understands that. I think that he heard his ex-quarterback, who probably will be in a Super Bowl a few months from now, saying so he how he's unhappy help. with offensive production and how they need help. I that's think fair. that's what he saw. I think he saw an opportunity, and then I think someone told him to capitalize on an opportunity to put his name back into a hat that's not going to get picked out of. Not that's work, how I hey, felt about he, it. He threw up a Hail Mary, and maybe it works. That's, that's and if good. he is sorry, if he is sorry, and I am wrong, good on him. But I, I still, unfortunately, he's still under the guilty until proven innocent guys. That's, that's that, totally that fair. are that our current um, that our current social construct uh, operates on, for better or worse. So for I, worse, actually. But um, I, I'm going to now. I think we're, we're wrapping up with that question. I, we yeah. I have a second one. But I think the second one is better for us to end on because I think it might get a little off the rails. I think we might go at it a little bit more on that one. So you're telling so me to go first I'm gonna because say, my question yeah. is not as good. No, it's good. But my it's question is not of as a, good? No, it's more of a stick to sports topic. I think it's one that we can have more. I don't want to have to go off the rails and then bring it back. You know what I mean? Can you just tell me to shut up and dribble? Is that yes, what you just did? Absolutely. All right. Well, I'm going back to Shut football, up and Matt. report the news. <laughs> I'm going to football, Matt. Uh, obviously, just terrible sight. Uh for Alabama this past week to Tagovailoa going down with a dislocated hip, had successful surgery on it. Doctors say he should make a full recovery. It's different from Bo Jackson's because Bo played on it and the actual, you know, long-term injury happened because of all the blood that mm-hmm. seeped onto his hip. Uh, Tua was dealt with in a very expedited manner. So they're saying Tua will be Tua in some time, not in no time, but in some time Tua will be Tua again. Matt, buy or sell Tua Tagovailoa enters this draft and drops beyond pick number 15. I will he's going to he's still going to enter the draft. I'll, I'll buy that. I don't think he okay. drops past 15. Um, he could he could lobby for a medical redshirt still. He could. A medical gray shirt. I don't see the point in him doing that. Me neither. Um, because you're still going to get a lot of money as a first round pick, which he's not going to fall out of the first round. You're, I'm sure he has some sort of insurance policy if he does. So if he falls past, you know, whatever number pick because of an injury, so he's probably going to make up some cash there. There's no point. There's nothing he can do at Alabama that's going to make his stock go up any higher, anything like that. I think mm-hmm. you can only get the only bad things can go can can go can happen for him if he goes back to Alabama. And the fact that he doesn't have that, you know, it, people first thought it was Bo Jackson's injury. Now they're saying, no, it's not. He's actually going to make a full recovery. You know, he's going to be fine. And, you know, it's going to be a while, you know, six months or whatever. That's the perfect excuse for a contender, a team with an established quarterback who might be winding down something along the lines of that to take him at, you know, 15, 14, something like that in the, in the top, you know, yeah, I if think he falls of, past the top five, one of those teams will trade up. A lot and, of front sit offices that just sit. A lot of front offices that didn't think they had a shot at uh, Tua are now kind of looking at their chops, saying, "Hey, let's get the medical on him three months from now and really take a long look at this because he might fall to us at twelve or whatever it is." So, I mean, if you're here's a hypothetical: if you're the Chicago Bears and obviously you don't have a first round pick this year, but you do have two seconds and you have a first round next year, I know you've already sacrificed a lot of draft picks. But if you see Tua there at number, I don't know, 10, let's pick a number. Say he's there at number 10. You know you have Mitch Trubisky locked in for one more year because there's no point in cutting him. You just lose the cap room. Do you take that risk? Do you trade up, no. you know, whatever amount of picks to go get Tua and have him sitting? No. Okay. Because not only has Tua suffered a rare hip injury with a structural fracture in his pelvis, uh, he has had painful. That- He's also had two ankle surgeries on both of his ankles. Or he's mm-hmm. had 
two total surgeries. Both ankles have had surgery on them. He's had that same, I forget what the name for it is, but that kind of anchoring uh, surgery in his ankles to keep his ankle in place. Um, he is, he's a bit piecemeal right now for me to further leverage yeah, years the and years of the franchise and the future on it. I don't think that that's the answer. I also don't think that, you know, I'm going to become like this, like anti-young quarterback guy, but I, show me a lefty quarterback who's had his injury history mm-hmm. to go on to be successful in the NFL. Steve Young. That's, that's about it. Like, there's not really a track record on, and I know it might be kind of boneheaded saying lefty, but there is something to that. The ball spins differently going towards your wide receivers. It dips differently when it doesn't come off, right? There is something different in a lefty quarterback. I don't know if I want a lefty quarterback. I don't know if I want a young quarterback. I don't know if I want an injured quarterback. Those question marks are enough to keep me away from Tua. That's fair, and I I think I'd lean that direction as well, but I think it's a debate that – better start getting ready well, maybe not you personally because you don't live in chicago but if you live in chicago <laughs> you better start getting ready for that one because we're not going to have coming. a lot of talk about over the winter with you know sports radio doesn't really talk about the blackhawks the bulls stink yeah get ready because that's going to be a conversation did you see Tua playing the ukulele in the hospital though i did not but good for him seems to be great good co- content good spirits yeah. great voice um i believe he was singing let's get it on by marvin Gaye. it was really good that's strange yeah look that up I um, will not give us. Why don't you give us your this this fantastic buy or sell that you're? Uh, oh, that don't you're don't give me this. You know no, that it's better it. to end on this. Do you have let's the? Do you, have, do you by any chance have that video queued up so we can play it? Um, I I could get it for you. Give me two seconds. All right. So um, I'll just I'll preface this. Most of if you haven't seen this video, then I don't I don't know what you're doing. It's been on Twitter um, since last night. Essentially, uh, it was on MSNBC, uh, uh, a Democratic representative, House of Reps um, representative, Eric Swalwell, was doing a live hit on Capitol Hill, I believe, talking about the impeachment hearings. And he, he lets what's... I got it I queued up here, man. He lets go, wanna, uh, if wanna, let's go of something very audible. We'll just play it for you. And we'll, we'll get into the debate. We're going we're gonna to queue that up right now. Here you go. Taxpayer dollars to ask the Ukrainians to help them cheat an election, and the complaint that I've heard from Republican taxpayer dollars we'll to ask more. the Ukrainians to help them cheat an election. Oh, and the compl- <laughs> Joe, I'm going to ask you. Oh, oh, buy or sell? That was Eric Swalwell. He denies oh, it. He denies it. We do not have conclusive evidence on whether that whether or not that was Eric uh, Swalwell. But if you look at the we're breaking down the video here, people. So when you listen all, to this, maybe pull it up and listen, you know, break it down with us as well. All of your telltale signs, he raises, his level raises slightly mm-hmm. as to he go pauses. onto his, he pauses audibly, he raises his level onto his toes as to create space for the flatulence, mm-hmm. and then continues on. Now, there is no facial recognition of what he just did or, or what he didn't do, he what hit he it well allegedly did, but understanding audio from a broadcast standpoint, his microphone, I can't locate. So I don't know if it's on his lapel. The The lower third is covering where mm-hmm. his microphone would be. Probably if it's on just the, a, or the if it's a right? If it's a boom mic, then that was my guy. Like if there's a mic over his head out of frame, that was that was Eric. If not, and that mic's on his lapel somewhere, those, mic, those lapel mics that hook on to people, they take pretty direct sound. You wouldn't get that clarity of a fart from a mic. So if that's the case and he was on a lav mic like that, I'm blaming the photog. 
because that the camera takes in natural sound from your surroundings. Mm-hmm. That could have been a photographer farting behind the camera. So while it's inconclusive, he is suspect number one. You you do have, you you break that down very well. And guys, this is why we are the the best <laughs> podcast on the internet because we know how to break down fart tapes on live hits. I think um, it was a boom mic. The more I'm looking at it, I think it was a boom mic and, and Eric farted. There is there. I love that breaking news. Joe, Joe thinks it was a boom mic. Breaking wind. I, I think every. <laughs> I think everything you said there makes sense. If it is the uh-huh. if it is the uh, the the one on the lapel, not not the boom mic, but the pause does it for me. The pause oh. is the most damning part of this. Again, he says he he says cheat pauses fart the system. It, you don't pause if you're not letting that the, out. Yeah, even if you hear le- it, even if you hear it, you're not letting out that. Like he paused right before he did it. It went, and then after, maybe if you pause in between, like, can, right in the middle of it, I might believe it's not you. But that pause, we've all been there, people. The left shoulder twitches a little, and let's watch this again. Even even the breath. I want you to watch it without sound. That's what I'm doing. And just look at look at the breathing pattern. That <gasps> there's a there's a. There's a there's a breath in. Oh yeah, as, there's a breath in right as he's doing it. That's him. There's a That's him. I, mean, I, I, I started after your microphone breakdown. I was about seventy thirty. It was him. Mm-hmm. I moved to about ninety ten. Ninety. Yeah, I, I'm ninety ten as well. So we're both I'm buying ten as well. We're both buying. Yeah, Eric's I'm gonna, well, I'm gonna blame guess. it on him hundred percent just for wearing a button down collar. You're a you're a you're a representative. Get get yourself a collar and some collar stays. This isn't fourth period at Fenwick. We like, also brought back uh, Joe's fashion corner. Yeah, so button this down is, this collar been a, with a suit. That and you, and you made fun of me for wanting to save this question for last. Yeah, that was good stuff. How that dare you? Stuff. That was a fantastic way to end this. <sighs> well, Matt, fart jokes aside, Love fantastic it. podcast as always. Moots um, and Runes listeners, uh, this is another opportunity, if you haven't already, to go get your tickets to Wishfest 2019. That's at wishforever.org or wishfest.com. Uh, those tickets going fast. It's going to be a great time. Out I'm going to be Bourbon there. Street. Matt's going to be there. Um, I am leaning further away from it. My my flights are not booked out of Chicago yet, but uh, looking like it's going to be that day, unfortunately. So um, Matt's going to be there. I will be there in spirit, and I will also be uh, making my presence felt in other ways. Uh, as you can, if you can't make it there, get online, donate, take part in some uh, silent auction. Any way you can help out this fantastic cause of of assisting families uh, battling pediatric cancer and all of the lives that uh, the Wisher family has affected in Andrew's name. Uh, it's just a beautiful cause, a beautiful thing that's become so much bigger than just the Wesleyan family, the brother, brother Rice family, and uh, you know our close circles. This is mm-hmm. now a regional thing that people are aware of and a organization that has taken on such a momentum that uh, we're really proud of, uh, of all of the work that Danny and all of the wishers have done. So it, it is a cause to be supported. It is a fantastic uh, night. It is a celebration of life and a celebration of um, the fight that we can help with here. So uh, amazing things going on there. So give it a look, wishforever.org, wishfest.com, get your tickets and donate now. Parker Carroll, a good friend of the podcast, very, uh, on the on the board of the, the Andrew Wisher Foundation, did confirm mm-hmm. for us last week on Twitter too that you can, uh, if you cannot make it, you can bid on some silent auction items. And I was up there; there was some good stuff. I, I'm not going to lie; I had my eyes on the signed Duncan Keith jersey a little bit. So if you're thinking about that one, maybe don't run up the price too high. Um, <laughs> I don't. I think believe you can start bidding the week of. You can't bid right now, but again, we'll give you some reminders about when you can. If you can't make it, maybe get on there, see an item you want to go buy. Uh, if you can make it, again, 115 Bourbon Street, Friday, December 6th. Or December 6th. 5. 
gold ticket for $125. Joe, find a better deal for me in the city than a six-hour open bar, full dinner buffet, and prime viewing area for the concert. Spend a buck twenty on a round of drinks these days. Exactly. I mean, you go out to the bar for six hours, you're spending more than $120. Good cause, great times. Uh, Matt, as always, thank you for doing this here with me. Episode 130 of the Moose and Runes podcast in the books. Coming at you next week. Uh, hopefully, like we just, hopefully something happens and we don't have to talk about that. Well, we're, we're not open. That's with really the what we're next week. That is the promise I can give to all of you. Unless, don't make that promise. And let, Chase unless, Daniel could swing his helmet at someone, and then we have to talk about it. Even then, I promise you, we'll talk. We'll, we'll, if we'll come back, we'll sneak something fart. in there before. We'll talk. We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk fartgate again. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely have follow ups on you for uh, for fartgate. But take a look at that video. Let us know what you think uh, at Moose and Runes on Twitter. As always, Moose and Runes listeners, we appreciate you. Engage with us on Twitter. Like it. Share it. All of it. For Matt, I'm Joe. Until next time, we'll see you soon. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.